In news from around Florida and the Bay Area tonight, two members of an Orlando punk rock band are under arrest for, of all things, performing some bodily functions on stage. The name of the band is GG and the Murder Junkies. Now, during a concert at the uh, Club Spaceship Cafe in Orlando, band members Kevin Allen and Don Sachs began stripping and performing some rather unsavory acts on stage. Defecating, eating fecal matter, throwing fecal matter, urinating, um, bashing their head into glass. I was like, oh my God, this is really disgusting. He ran around and he kind of was slamming into people and he hit somebody and some guy fell and I think he broke his arm. The owner of the nightclub says he knew the band was on the cutting edge of punk rock but uh, never expected the act they delivered to him. And tonight both Allen and Sachs face charges of indecent exposure. This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. I'm Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wacker? Nothing. Nothing going on. I saw um, Nick Cave last night. Oh, yeah? In a bar? No. I, I saw him live. A live performance of Nick Cave. And, uh, oh, he was performing for you. Well, not for me, but he's performing for he's performing a thousand for people. Or <laughs> well, you're a few hundred people. people. Um, but it was a very negative experience overall. I mean, the, the, the show itself was, was amazing. Nick Cave actually was very energetic. He was out in the crowd, did a, lot of, uh, did a lot of songs that he never performs. Is he wearing his suit? He did have a black suit on. Um, <laughs> even though I was so high up in my, my nosebleed seats, I could barely even see the, the make or style of the suit. Did he have um, a bolo tie on? I, there's no way I can tell that. He just looked like a smudge. It could have been anybody. Like a Nick Cave impersonator, I wouldn't even have known. But um, the show was great. It's the experience. The overall co- live concert experience was a, was a negative one for me. And for yeah, a variety of reasons. That. No, it was, it was like a comedy of errors. Like, I don't really like, go to shows anymore. But for that, per- for that reason, is it, or is it because you just feel like I'm too old, I'm too surly, I hate being near people? No, every time I go, it's, you know, not that great a time for various reasons. But let's hear about your experience. Mine but, are usually oh. like it goes too late. And yeah, it's, and you're like standing up. The show's going too late. I should be in bed by now. Oh, see, now <laughs> you're just setting yourself up. Like, how do you think I'm going to... How do you think I'm going to, you know, am I going to be understandable about your problems now? Well, you should be because there are a variety oh, of uh, negative I, experiences. I went to Nick Cave and it wasn't that great of a time. Let me tell you what. Uh, you know, it, it's so it all started. First of all, let me just give you some context here. I got tattooed on uh, Thursday night. So my leg is in pain. My leg was sore from the tattooing of, of <laughs> it was, the morn. It's like four hours of tattooing. So my leg was in a lot of pain. But it's Nick Cave. Actually, I'm I'm getting more in the mindset of you as Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> Larry David doesn't have tattoos, does he? No, but you know he's always in a huff about something. Okay, I was in uh, I was in many huffs last and night. He's in so. L.A. and he's Jewish, so you know. Okay, th- th- this is kind of I'm I'm like the alt I'm version going to of the Larry Slur- David. <laughs> I'm going, going to the Nick Cave show. 
And you'll never believe there, what let me happened. Tell you what happens. So much service. This is it's ridiculous. But so anyway, I was in pain based on that. But I'm like, you know, whatever. It's Nick Cave. Bought these tickets a long time ago. I bought these tickets in October. And so I was, you know, and his shows sell out like immediately. So I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a great show. It's yeah. at the Shrine. Very prized. Which uh, the Shrine is a uh, venue on the USC campus. Are there little guys in cars and funny hats? I don't think the Shrine. Actually, the Shriners might hang out there. I'm not sure why they call it, it the Shrine. It probably is. It's probably the It looks Shriners like a Shrine, Hall. though. It's, uh, you know, resplendent with uh, ornate uh, decorations yeah. and candelabras. It's like uh, in San Francisco, there's Masonic Hall, and that's the Masons, Freemasons. Yeah, so it might be the same thing. Yeah. Um, but have you ever been to the USC campus? No. Good God. It's dangerous. It's ghetto there. I just I don't know why, but I always assumed it was in Pasadena because the Rose Bowl stadium is in Pasadena. Yeah. No, it's common knowledge that the USC Trojans campus is in, it's in the middle it's of the ghetto. The ghetto. You can't ghetto. leave campus or you get shot in the face. But I mean, it's one of the most expensive private schools in the country. It's close to downtown too, but it's no, just just far enough away that it's a totally different scene. It's right? like six blocks from Staples Center, but it is yeah. like in the ghetto area of downtown. I mean, like a real ghetto. Like your, yeah. your cars Drive will by be broken shootings, into. Crack dealing, Dudes on porches drinking 40s. Yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, I, I was surprised. I'm like, you have one of the most expensive schools in the country situated right in the middle of a ghetto. This is a very fine school. <laughs> University of Spoiled Children. Yes, um, exactly. That's what they call it. So I was annoyed about it. So I get down there. First of all, I'm like, God, this is a weird area for you to have a campus with so many just privileged white kids. But anyway, um, we get <laughs> well, I think there. the neighborhood probably used to be like white working class, as a lot of ghetto neighborhoods are. And then it turned into whatever ethnicity it is i don't even really know but not so good neighborhood well, i'm just surprised white the university, flight they call it i'm surprised the university didn't push the the you know the the minorities further south like they do you <laughs> what, know with like stormtroopers <laughs> what, whatever they do it they just move white people into their communities and then raise the rents and just push them further south into watts or compton yeah there's a there's a lot of good history about la and racism and white white supremacy if you ever want to look into it. So, so there, there's one issue that I had with the, uh, with the uh, event last night. So I get there. I get to, you know, I, I look it up. There's parking for the shrine, you know, right on uh, near the USC campus. We get over there. There's a ton of traffic because USC is also having an event. And USC has a parking structure that's like 30 bucks for the night. And there's like 300 yeah. cars in line. And so then I'm like, well, there must be other parking. And there, there it is. There's a shrine lot. So we drive around, finally get over there. Lots full. Like the, the lot's full, so they're not taking any more cars. So it's like, well, where well, do you park full, now? Sorry. You yeah, turn so around. where do you park? So we're driving through the ghetto, trying to find a place to park the Prius. <laughs> I finally parked the Prius in front of like this. Were you were you playing your Biggie CD with I, the windows up? No, I had the well, I had the windows up, but yes, I was playing Biggie Smalls actually. <laughs> um, but I, I pull up, I turn the volume down because I don't want them to hear it. No. And, and like I finally find a spot, but it's like, yeah, it's like. I don't know, 10 blocks away in the ghetto. There's people like you know, just doing, on the street, braiding each other's hair on their porches and drinking forties mm. and just kind of, I'm like coded, coded racial message there. Well, no, okay. I'm just saying there's like, there, <laughs> there's some ghetto, it's a ghetto like neighborhood. Little house on the prairie, you know, they had braided hair. <laughs> okay. She was adding her weave to her daughter or something on the porch. Well, right in Los Angeles, lots of white ladies have weaves too. Okay. All right. The, the, there was a, it was a black family. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eating watermelon and fried here? chicken, or <laughs> I mean, how far do you want to go with this? I'm, I'm not, okay. I'm, not, I'm just saying we were in the ghetto. 
I parked okay. the Prius. Yeah, I was I a little it. nervous about the Prius. But then Amanda and I had to walk all the way to uh, to the venue, and it oh, it man. sucked. It was painful white, for my leg. Pretty was, young white lady on your arm walking through the and, and she's wearing like cruel high heeled shoes, so her feet are are just being destroyed. I, I will not let my girlfriend wear high heels if we have to walk more than a block well, anywhere. We, we didn't think we were going to have to walk because oh, there was know, a parking right? structure. Yeah, I'm just like boots. Put on boots. Boots are sexy. They have a little bit of a heel, and you can walk in them. These fucking high heels. These girls need to stop with that shit. Yeah, the cruel shoes. I mean, You're not her, on the fucking runway. Her, her feet were contorted, filled with blisters. I mean, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, so we finally get to the venue. Dry, walking through the ghetto. You know, got lost a couple times. And it's weird, too, because there's frat houses, like really nice frat houses and sorority houses, right next to like a tenement crack house. Yeah. It makes no sense. Um, we get to the venue. The show's already started. We get in there and then realize that my seats that I bought are on like the third mezzanine up in the balcony. I, I don't even know how I got such shitty seats when I bought them so far in advance, but whatever. We get up there and uh, it's just, I mean, you can't read where the seats are located. It's assigned seating. I had to go flag down some uh, ghetto guy, like some kid, high school kid that worked there, like an usher. And I'm like, hey, where, where are these seats? And we have to walk through, you know, walk all the way through to the middle, go up like, a flight of stairs and then like get, you know, we're in the very middle of the row and all these people, he's like, get up, get up, making these people stand during the Nick Cave show. They all hated us. We finally get to the middle and then who am I sitting right next to? Like a 400 pound goth, gothopotamus. I mean, this woman was massive. She must've been 400 pounds. An orca Billy. <laughs> she was like, she was a gothopotamus because she was a big, huge okay. goth chick. And, and the thing is, this is an old theater. Those seats are not designed for a 400-pound no. woman. They're yeah, designed... back then she'd be on stage as an oddity. Yeah, like she would be singing. The world's the fattest woman. Over. Where nowadays that's just like, well, she's a little heavy. I don't even know how she fit into the seat. So anyway, we get there. We, we walk through. We disrupt all these other people who have been sitting down watching the show. We finally get there. And she didn't stand up. She's just sitting there. You see what I'm seeing, people? Can you can you just envision Larry, David, and Cheryl? <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't even find parking. We had to park well, in the ghetto. We're on the street. <laughs> just oh, just find the seats. I'm worried the about worst the Larry David impression ever. But you get. You get I'm gonna get my rims stolen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we we get in there. We're, we're like walking up. I'm like, um, excuse me. Can you can you stand up? Because I can't. I couldn't put the seat down. Because you know how the seats go down. The, the armrest? Not the armrest. The seat itself. Oh, the actual part of your ass it's on? Her, her ass. I don't even know if it was her ass or some section of her body was pretty much just into her. My, the seat was blocked by her girth. A courteous fat person would be like, oh, let me shift my girth up and you can put the seat down. And then, yeah, you're going to have to be squished next to me. But at least you get your seat down. But you wouldn't even do that. I don't, I, I asked her, I was like, excuse me, uh, miss, I can't put the seat down. And she just was ignoring me. See, what's useful in this situation is the huff. Oh, I was huffing. Believe me. <sighs> I wasn't huffing <laughs> as, as much as I was laughing. Cause it was just like oh, the yeah. whole night had been ridiculous so far. The ghetto 45 minute parking debacle, the pain of my leg. We get up, we're all the way up on like the, the highest balcony of this venue and then i'm sitting next to a massive woman i can't even put the seat down i just started laughing and i felt like a dick because i'm laughing and maybe that's why she wouldn't move so i'm kind of like yeah. leaned up against the seat and my girlfriend's like do you want me to do you want me to ask i can do you want me to sit there i'm skinnier than you i was like no no you sit there you sit next to you sit i can deal with this and so i was just kind of up on the seat and she was laughing 
And, and the, the, the large chick was just like, I mean, she was enjoying the show. But I kept thinking, I'm like, I, I was going to say to her, I'm like, you know, there's probably a bulk seating section, like a handicapped area with large seats for you. Like, this is <laughs> but not. you didn't say that. <laughs> well, it's not fair. And, I, you know, I was, I was the whole time in my mind, I wasn't listening to Nick Cave, you know, singing, Do You Love Me? Instead, I was thinking, this woman should be in a, in a large woman area. There should be, a, these, that's what theaters need now. They need a large person area. Or they need to area. modify the seats to fit the uh, larger than average She took person. up three seats, though, at least. With that, the, her width. I mean, she was at least two of you, or all three of you, probably, side to oh, side. That's pretty I mean, big. Yeah, she was a big, she was a big girl. And so, yeah, eventually. So what did you do? Did you stand the whole time? Well, I was standing, but then the people sitting behind me were upset. And, and I was just like, what do you expect me to do? Do you see what I'm sitting next to? I can't put the seat down. I mean, what, what do you want me to do? And so then, uh, and I was huffing. I, I was obviously not happy about it. Sir, could you stop huffing? I can't hear Nick Cave. <laughs> um, but then eventually someone else was coming through and they needed to get by. And so the, 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 the big woman stood up. And at that point, I just, and, yeah. And, and my girlfriend's like, put the chair down now. And I put the chair down really quickly. And then when she sat back down, half of her was in my seat. So I was kind of pushed over to the side, like on a, you know, like on an airplane when you're sitting next to somebody that huge. Was she rocking to the beat? She was would kind of... motion in the ocean? Well, she would clap her, her hands together and her whole body would just kind of undulate, like just move, uh-huh. like in a wave-like motion. And I could feel that, She's but hypnotizing. I mean... Oh, she would know. She was massive. And so finally at the end of the show, when the show is done... Um, I'm just kind of sitting there still lean to the side on top of my girlfriend because of her girth that was pushing down on me. And she's, she's finally manages to pull herself out of the seat. And she looks at me. She's like, I'm sorry for being large. What did you say? <laughs> Nothing. I was like, uh, and I just kind of <laughs> laughed. I, I, what am I going to say to that? I would be like, yeah, well, fucking have some consideration for everybody else with your big fucking fat ass. Well, what should she do? Like, well, what are you going to tell her? Get, get her stomach stapled? Well, she could have let you put the seat down. Well, she could have done that. Clearly, but you mean, want to put the seat down. But, but, but once the seat was down. Suck it in. Put a girdle on, bitch. I don't even think you could put a girdle on that. I think she would have had to be you like shrink wrap. No, she would have had to be shrink wrap. Put a girdle on anything. <laughs> Spanks. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah, in the Wrap end. that was, shit up. And then she does the massive cleavage, you know. Dude, her breasts were wider than uh, like my the, my shoulder span. I know like you could was, get right in there. Think about that. You'd be suffocated. She was huge. I don't even see how. Like, if I was that big, I wouldn't go to a show. I would watch. It <laughs> I won't see. I won't go to a show anyways. People complain about going to the movies. You know, they're like, oh, people eating their popcorn loud and talk during the thing. Eh. Yeah, but they'll think nothing of going to like a five-hour rock and roll show. Well, this is <laughs> it's the same people there with you, buddy. This is an hour and a half. It wasn't that bad, but an hour and a half. See, I mean, yeah, see, that's why uh, one of the reasons I don't go to shows is because it takes too long. If I went to a show and I knew it was going to be an hour and a half, then I might go. With a whole, but then you got to deal with this fat person thing and issue. the and the parking in the ghetto. It, you know, I'll never go back to that venue again. I mean, the sound was actually it, it sounded perfectly. It, it sounded perfect. I mean, it sounded great. <laughs> Nick Cave put on a great performance, but just the whole experience. I'm never going back there again. Fuck the U- University of Southern California. Oh yeah, that's privileged like, white kids. Anyway, speaking of uh, rock news, this is a very rock and roll episode here. Sticking around. Do you hear that uh, Tommy Ramone passed away? Uh, the last original member of the Ramones. 
Yeah, it surprised me that he's the last one. I thought there was another, another couple laying around. No, there's a, let's see, Joey died. Lead singer yeah. Joey died in 2001. Marfan syndrome. Uh, I think he died of cancer. Um, <laughs> he had Marfan syndrome. Dee helped. Uh, DDO deed in uh, yeah, 2004. Remember you remember Dee What about the dude, one with long hair, the gray hair? Johnny. That was or no, Johnny? no, you're thinking that's that's who just died. Tommy oh, was the guy with long gray hair. Johnny's already dead. Johnny died in 2009, also from cancer. And then Tommy was the original drummer. But Tommy, the thing is, Tommy only was replaced in 78 by Marky Ramone. And Marky's still alive. But he wasn't the original oh. member. Marky's more famous than this one, though, right? Well, Marky's been in the band longer than Tommy. But Tommy was yeah. the original. And plus, Tommy produced uh, quite a few of the uh, later albums. Oh, but he, Thomas, uh, I should do that. Thomas Erdely, he uh, died in Queens, age of sixty-two. Also suffered cancer. Um, but he was, yeah, the original drummer. Then he was the manager of the band uh, afterwards. But um, so I will drink the Tommy because the Ramones were a great band. All right, but I gotta say, you know, it's like you have the, you have a band like the Ramones, and they're pretty much all dead. Yet there's still two Beatles left. What, all the living. stones except for one? Which stone died? Uh, Brian Jones. Oh. And all the other ones. Look at Keith Richards. He's still alive. They, he's never going to die. That fucking drummer looks like, you know, the crypt keeper. But I guess he always looked like that. Oh. Even you when know, he was young. I was uh, reading something about Mick Jagger. You know how Mick Jagger's girlfriend just committed suicide? Oh, did she? Yeah, a couple months Ex-girlfriend. ago. Ex-girlfriend. I think he broke up with her and she committed suicide. Yeah. And, or maybe she found out he was cheating on her. But then I can't there, live another day without his wrinkly long balls. Well, there was, an, there was an article that someone, some paparazzi had took a picture of Mick Jagger with like three just incredibly hot Brazilians. Like at the World Cup, just going into his hotel room. Speaking of crying. <laughs> God. Do you we were talking last week about would be? we were talking last week about how it's just lame to care about anything. Yeah, and when you're when you're bawling, just your whole country is bawling, sobbing because they lost it's a like, sporting event. Oh, they, they got slaughtered. Oh dear God, in Germany. Who cares? Yeah. <gasps> oh my God! Did your mom die? No, the <laughs> national team lost the game. But that's that's the thing. Life is not fair. Assholes. You know, you get you get slaughtered by the Germans playing soccer. You still have two Beatles left, and Yoko Ono is still alive. Yeah, she sucks. Ugh, I don't even understand that. Anyway, speaking of uh, punk rock icons, got a special interview lined up for uh, the show today. There, Wagley. Okay. Tesco V from the Meat Men. Remember that band? Yep. Michigan punk rock band. I didn't know they were from Michigan. Yeah, he's uh, Lansing. He's from Lansing. Oh, and the, wow. the funny thing is, back in the day, I always loved that band. The, the, the thing is with the Meat Men, they were one of those bands that just came out just to offend people. I mean, they had uh, the songs like Crippled Children Suck, uh, One Down, Three to Go, uh, Orgy of One. One Down, Three to Go is about the Beatles. Uh, Toolin' for Anus. It's another mm-hmm. uh, popular yep, hit by the Meat Men. One. I sometimes um, get them confused with fear. The songs, I guess. Fear, but the thing is, fear is more serious. The Meat Men were just out there just to, we're going to write offensive lyrics just to piss people off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet they, you know, attracted the same fan base. A lot of hardcore punk rockers, skinheads. Hardcore. I like it when 40-year-old dudes our age still listen to hardcore, like on a regular basis. Punk rock never car. dies, Wackerly. 
Yeah. <laughs> they have like mortgages and fucking 401ks, but they're like, oh, I love hardcore still. Because I'm hardcore. You're not hardcore, man. The thing is with the meat man. Starting to have prostate issues. Well, the thing is with the meat men for me is that it's it's nostalgia. Like I saw them uh, in May. They played uh, the American Legion. It's been years because the meat men were on hiatus for like 14 years. Like they stopped playing in in the 90s. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I saw them. They played a great show. Tesco, that's the thing. They're a live band. They're not a band that you just sit there and listen to at your computer while you're working on your Excel documents. You know, your Excel docs. You don't, and you don't realize that your headphone jack is actually out and it's going through your speakers. Dueling for anus. Yeah. And then you have to be like, oh, called in by HR. Uh, It says here, Mr. Simon, that uh, you were listening to some rock and roll the other day and a coworker walked by. (laughs) But Tesco was as notorious uh, oops, as like El Duce yeah. and uh, Gigi Allen. I mean, he was, you know, when he'd be on stage, he'd shove a, you know, a microphone up his ass, had like a confetti can. He's a pretty, he was an infamous character, sworn enemy of the politically correct. So I found out that, that the Me Men are playing the barbecue, which I wish I could go to. I'm surprised. I was worried that they weren't going to do that this year. They're going to stop it. Every year, you know, Guard is the, the famous barbecue in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, odorous. Dave Brocky died, so I thought they were going to stop, but apparently Guar is soldiering on. So you can nice. still see them. Um, we should go to that, actually. It's in mid-August in Virginia. Virginia, though. Could you imagine a, a trip all the way to Virginia just to go to the barbecue? No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny. Anyway, the Meat Men are, the meat men are playing uh, I guess you could go Saturday to the nation's night. capital at the same time. Who cares about that? I just want some. I just want to see some guar and see you eat some some meat. I went all the way meat to Virginia. This fat lady sat next to me. It sucked. Uh, 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 this guar fan. Uh, God, I mean, it's like, why do they travel? How do they get off their couch? Just everywhere on the plane. There's a fat lady next to you. It's the bane of my existence to sit next to some huge fat person. Um, anyway, I uh, ended up uh, having an interview, a chat with uh, Tesco V from the Meat Men, and uh, he has some good stories, this guy. So um, people, if you're around, you should go check out the Meat Men. I know they're playing a bunch of uh, shows on the East Coast. Uh, they're also playing the barbecue in, uh, in August. So we're going to catch up with um, Tesco V in a moment here. Before that, here's a word from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Hello? Tesco V. How's it going? Yeah. Steve Simon here from Sick and Wrong. Hey, thanks for being on the show, man. Absolutely. Um, I recently saw you guys, uh, actually, I think it was in May, at the American Legion out here in L.A. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, with Black, Black Fag. It was, a, it was a great show. Epic performance. Uh, been, <laughs> been quite a few years since I uh, last saw yeah, that. Yeah, that was uh, old school. No lights, no nothing, but that's what punk rock's all about, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bare-bones show. It's all, all ages, too, which it's been a while since I've been doing all-ages show, too. Yeah. Um, and I, I see that you guys are uh, playing the barbecue. 
We are. I'm really excited about that. Next month, yeah. You know, it's up in the air whether it would happen or not when Brocky passed away, and unfortunately, but then uh, I kind of knew deep in the cockles of my black little heart that they would soldier on and, and still have it, and so I'm really happy they are. And so, yeah, man, we're, we're just doing it as a one-off. We're driving all the way out there. We're going to be there Friday night for the memorial service and the Viking funeral and everything, and then go oh, yeah. rock the joint on Saturday. Oh, man, that's going to be cool. And you guys used to tour with Guar, though, didn't you, back in the day? Yeah, we toured with Guard a lot back in the 90s. Uh, I got, that was my one and only tour bus tour. We got to share, they had two buses and we got half a bus. And <laughs> like the other half lived, you know, the rest of it's been think band tours. But yeah, it was awesome playing did, with them every night. And it's did, really a perfect union when you think about it. Two fucked up bands on tour together. Yeah, but the, but the uh, secretions on the stage from you guys were, were like real, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. They weren't like they weren't like uh, whatever red yeah. dyed water red or whatever. They, dyed blood or whatever that that shit is. Yeah. So uh, you you guys got the tour bus with the costumes like in the front. You guys were in the back. Uh, the the t- when when we did the Guar tour. Yeah. Now the well the, the all the crap goes underneath. So you know the living space is upstairs in my own little bunk and yeah it's like. <laughs> sleeping on those things is like you know you're like in a hotel I mean you can't even tell you can't even feel anything moving it's pretty slick and if you get rest and you wake up the next morning and you pop off the bus and it's one in the afternoon and there's tables of food lined up it's, it's, it's pretty sweet it looks like a, a small taste of of uh, what a real rock star would yeah, kind of like the Rolling be. Stones although they get a yeah, jet it's what, it, it's what it felt like fucking guar man I guess it's got to be better than a stinky uh, van, though, which is probably yeah, what you guys do. Although I don't have a stinky van. I have, like, a pretty nice conversion van, but don't don't spread that around. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I just did. But, yeah, um, yeah, I've had my first stinky vans, and, hey, you know what? That's, that's keeping it real, I guess. At I my agree. age, it's, it's really real. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and at, at your age, it's probably not really a stinky van as much as it is kind of a creepy rape van, but whatever. <laughs> Six of one, half dozen the other, not a big deal. So exactly. do, you, do you still live in Michigan? Yeah, actually, I, I moved back to Michigan in 99. I was in D.C. area for 17 years, from 82 to 99, and then I came back to Michigan. And, and uh, yeah, I love it here. Never looked back. Great place to be a musician, lots of. Uh, kindred spirits for uh, you know blue collar rock and roll like we play whatever you want to call it. Yeah, for for sure. So whereabouts in Michigan did you live? I I went to high school in uh, Saginaw. I lived uh, in uh, Detroit for a while. Yeah, I mean, what is it I like about Michigan? No, uh, where whereabouts do you live in Michigan? Oh, I'm in Lansing. All my oh, boys okay. live in Detroit, so I got to I got to drive to Detroit to practice, but there's a small price to pay. Nice. But I'm you know that's where I lived before and. I'm a big Michigan State guy, so I go to the games, and my daughter went to, ended up going to state, and yeah, we love it here. Yeah, Lansing, Michigan is the only town I ever got arrested for urinating in public. No shit. It's a big deal out there, but for some reason, in Lan- well, it's a college town. A lot of kids piss yeah. on shit, you know, they piss outside. Yeah, ever since the, ever since the riots in, in um, back when, back in the late 90s when, they rioted after they lost a basketball game, oh, yeah. and the police have become the good. The East Lansing police are equivalent to the Gestapo now. Like, 
they actually got uh, arrested a, a friend of my daughter for you know the burning couch thing where they yeah burn yeah the they're burning couches she and stopped. mattresses. She she was walking by a burning town and she stopped and took out her phone, took a picture, and she was immediately arrested for taking a picture of a burning couch. So yeah, that's how the Fascist. that's what a police state it is in a college town anymore. So anyway, yeah, eh, cost me a couple hundred bucks. It sucked. So uh, what what year did the Meat Men begin? Let's get some history here. When did the Meat Men start? <laughs> We started in 1979 right here in in the middle of the mitten, East Lansing, Michigan, and uh, wrote all the early songs on what was then the strongest beer we could buy, 6% Canadian, and there <laughs> might have been a few psychedelic mushrooms thrown in there for good measure, and <laughs> that probably explains why the songs are as fucked up as they are, and yeah, we... It's been a, like it, 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 it's like a, a vehicle for me, and you know, it's kind of like if I'm... If it's Tesco, then it's the Meat Men. So it's not like other legacy bands where they rotating cast of characters and yeah, yeah. or the Dead Kennedys without Jello. It's, the Meat Men have always been me. So it's always been it's your just, band. Uh, with it's the as good, yeah, it's as good as the the cast of characters that I have along with me at any given time. And I've I've retired for oh shit, I retired from ninety eleven years the last time ninety six to two thousand seven and thought I was done. Nobody wants to see a forty year old punk rocker and then until here I am at fifty eight so yeah. still uh so still turning uh, the waters and uh, having a great time. Still blowing people's minds. So uh who else was around uh, like what was the the scene like in Michigan at that time? I mean was a negative approach? I mean they were playing. Yep but, it was well the 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 necros from the necros. Maui, they were kind of a yeah, they were kind of a um, we'll call them a Michigan band because Mommy's just across the border. But they were the ones that kind of got me. You know, they taught me, turned me out of the Pagans from Cleveland. That was a big inspiration. And then I was seeing this with the, the help of Touch and Go magazine, which I was, me and my friend Dave were putting out. We kind of helped to get everything off the ground and interview the bands and, and Negative Approach. And then there were some other bands like uh, Board Youth and Youth Patrol. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember them. And bands like that that were, and we, we all just, we had a little, you know, maybe 100, 150 kids. And the DC scene was kind of, you know, all the scenes were pretty small back then. It's kind of been elevated kind of beyond, um, you know, it's been taken on mythical uh, proportions. But there yeah. really was a small scene in every one of these towns. And, Everybody just kind of started playing connect the dots with writing letters and mailing beans to each other, mailing records to each other. And this was all before you know. Facebook, you know. So this is how you had to find out about other bands. Scenes had to stay exactly. connected from to, scenes. You you know? to, yeah, we would drive to wax tracks in Chicago and just, just be sleeping the car out in front. And when they opened up, we'd buy all the the latest imports from England and then drive back to Lansing and we drive <laughs> all over so, record shopping and trying to find the latest and greatest. So how did you end up playing with that? Uh, were there like three original members of Minor Threat in the Meat Men for that uh, what was it Dutch Hercules? Yeah, that was kind of, people always ask me about that because it seems like counter to what those guys thought. You know, all this creative stuff sort of gotten blown out of proportion too. Like how could Ian, you know, be a part of such a, you know, playing with such a, uh, yeah. I don't know, whatever I am and, and just like it was just we were friends, and it just kind of was a logical thing. Minor threat was kind of done, and and I got Lyle and Brian and Bert from Double O and Richard Moore on drums, and then Ian produced it at our Inner Ear Studios, and just a bunch of friends getting together as a goof. And, and Ian still gets asked about it to this day, which I'm sure 
rankled them a little bit. Yeah, it seems like there'd be philosophical differences, you know, like the minor minor threats on such a pedestal, you know, and then to be to right. be uh, playing songs like Orgy of One or you know, or Meat yeah, Men songs. I, I, yeah, I think the reality of of their ideology and was a little different than the, the public perception, maybe. But Lyle and Brian were just kind of good, you know, have a good time kind of guys and. Although they didn't always get along, I think that was what part and parcel of what made Minor Threat so fucking brilliant. It's because they all hated each other, but they came together. And you know, Brian did the Smeatman for a couple of years. But I think he got peeled away and did Dag Nasty in '85 or '86. And so we've, you know, like it's always just kind of a rotating cast of characters, like I said. But you know, it was great having those guys. Lyle was pretty much my right hand man there through the '80s, my business partner and everything. So when did, when did uh, you co-found uh, Touch and Go? Because the Me Men were on Touch and Go back then, right? Yeah, I, I kind of just started the label out of necessity because uh, the Necros didn't have anyone to put their record out and the Fix didn't have anyone to put their record out. And so I think it was eight, 1980 and put the Necros out and 100 of those and two, 200 of the Fix. And then I put out, um, I think, the Blood Sausage, the Meat Men. And then... Uh, I think it was about the time that the Necro Skate Park 10 song came out that Corey started to get involved and yeah. to see the change of address to Mommy, Ohio, and the rest of the history. I just kind of like handed it on the label. I really did no interest in running a record label. I just kind of did it because my buddies needed a way to get their music out. And Touch and Go kind of had a had a cachet or a, or a brand recognition um, as limited as it was, so it seemed like a perfect, you know, vehicle to launch, you know, record label as well. Did you you release some of the uh, Meat Men records though on your own though, right? Yeah, now I now I pretty much got the with the exception of the Touch and Go stuff. I pretty much have the whole catalog. Is it easier to uh, release the music now in the uh, age of the internet, like to release an album by yourself? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. It's like, you know, it's a whole other mindset now. And you're just kind of like, your primary goal is to get, is not to make money out of it, just to get, just maybe recoup your costs and just get, get it out there. Get it, even if it's for free, you know, give away a stream for the first week or two or do whatever. Just the primary objective is to get the music into people's ears, not so much to make money on it. To buy the album. Yeah, so it's like it's, and I've never been in it for the money. I've always just been in it for the, the fun and the gratification of, of of doing it. And uh, I really didn't think I had another album in me until yeah, I did. Yeah, I want to get to that in, in a second here. So um, during, I guess during the 80s, during the, even the 90s actually, you kind of cultivated this notorious image, you know, on stage because you're known for your unpredictable and, vile onstage antics. And I imagine you were compared a lot to El Duce and Gigi Allen. What what'd you think of that? Well, um, I, what I say to that is I, I always can kind of consider, as much as I like those guys and I like their music, I always think that like the mentors of the meeting with the brains knocked out of them. If you took a rubber <laughs> hammer to me, to my head, you'd probably end up somewhat like El Duce. But bless his heart, he's no longer with us, can't defend himself, but I mean, I love it. it but the fact that, that it was so great was because it was just it was dumbed down to the level of of uh, ridiculousness. Where I think I like to think the meat men have a vein of intellectual uh, highbrow. You might not think of highbrow, but no, but it's true say, though. Uh, more but, Frank Zappa than El Duce as far as 
well, the, double the, entendres. And, I mean, it's undeniable that there's an element of satire in your music. And, oh, and I think that's, that's part of the humor, whereas the, you know, the, the me men, I, I think it's literal. You know, when they do a song about, called Golden Shower, they are literally singing about pissing on a woman's face. You right, know, when the mentors do, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. the mentors do it, you know, that's, that's the yeah. thing. It's, their music Absolutely. is literally about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> My um, woman from Sodom, she lets me shock her bottom. <laughs> it's just like I was listening to that downstairs, and my wife was like, what is that? So it's the mentors. She's just shaking her head like any mom in America would. Yeah, yeah. I recently introduced the mentors to my girlfriend, and she was like, what is this? Yeah, you know, she's in her 20s. I'm like, they were a huge band back in the day. And she's like, really? God, it's awful. <laughs> Like, okay, we're yeah. going to be listening to 4F Club for the next, like, two hours. <laughs> um, the production on those albums are pretty damn great, too. Yeah. Like, they went to a real studio and, like, yeah. off the dose and all that. You crank that up, and it's, like, mastered well. It sounds really good, you know, on, your, <laughs> on my speakers. And I remember like, a, a promoter in Fort Lauderdale or Daytona Beach told me that we walked in the club at like four in the afternoon. The place is just destroyed. I mean, it looks like a hurricane is going through. I said, "What happened?" He said, "The mentors were here last night." He said, "They got here at noon, and by the time they they went on at ten o'clock, they the three of them drank eight cases of beer." Jesus Christ! I'm like, really? Is that, is that humanly possible? And yeah. They did, and they, their set was terrible. They were so wasted. God, eight cases of but beer. That's the mentors. So. What did you think? I mean, people compared you to Gigi. You did some crazy shit on stage. I mean, what what did you think about this reputation that was created? I mean, did you did you feel pressure in it? I mean, did when you performed, were the fans expecting you to like you know shove a microphone in your ass or do something insane? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think mean, I think it's more. I think it's more. Uh, I don't know. I go for the flash, and, the, and I always like the costumes and the confetti cannons. And you, back in the day, we had these totally illegal pyrotechnics that I found at a yard sale that used to blow off. And now I look back, and I'm like, what the fuck? But you know, I did stick a microphone up my ass back in the early, early days, and at an outdoor concert. And then I was, that was when I was still teaching school, and it was in a town next to where I taught. And I thought, you know what? This is going to get kind of weird if I'm still teaching. And, Fortunately, I got laid off and moved to D.C., but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, more of my, my, I'm more of a, I, don't, I think I consider myself a stand-up comedian that, that, uh, you know, also plays punk rock, so I kind of, a meet and intro is kind of like me, just, and it's not like a script thing, I don't tell jokes, I just kind of make observations, topical observations, people love to hear, like Buster and Danzig, or make cracks about other public figures, because I can do that, because I don't, there's, there's no downside. I'm, I'm not going to get nothing can happen to me. Danzig's I'm, not going to kick your ass. No, he's not <laughs> going to kick my ass. He's, he's, he, we haven't been friends since '85, so I'm not really worried about him. But <laughs> it's just kind of like easy, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. But you know, I, I'm not like so much in the shock rock, like GD, like pooping on people and smashing people in the face with mic stands. It's like. It's more, it's a, more humor based. That's the thing. It's funny. Humor, humor based, and yeah, sight gags. I, yeah. I, I'm more like Rip, Rip Taylor than uh, G.G. Allen. <laughs> Rip Taylor, the Rip Taylor of punk well, rock. I'm not, I'm not a gay guy in a wig, but I'm more like Rip Taylor. Well, I'm, I'm sure Rip Taylor owns a few giant black dildos. I remember seeing I you. With, does. I remember seeing you with the hate police, and you use this like prop, like this big black cock, just carrying it around on stage. 
Yeah, I, I knocked out a professor from Wayne State University back in the day at the Freezer Theater with that black car. And I knocked him out cold. He's in the front row, and I just wailed on him. <laughs> he went down, and he stayed down. Um, did uh, did did you have, like, especially in Detroit, you know, there's kind of a huge, it's during the hardcore scene, a lot of skinheads in Detroit. Did you get have a lot of skinheads that were into the meat men? Like, did you attract this this element that didn't see the satire in your lyrics? Yeah. You know, when they heard a song That's like... What- Gang rape lullaby. They're just like, yeah, he's talking about gang rape. Yeah, or tooling for anus. Yeah, yeah tooling for anus. like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you're always going to get the lunkhead, literal, literal lunkhead, to take it all face value. And I wouldn't say Detroit. Detroit had skinheads. It had skinheads. Portland back in the '90s was pretty skinheady. We had, you know, like the Circle Pit and the, yeah. all the. Boots and Braces Brigade, and it got kind of ugly for the poor innocent people that were just there to the show, and that does happen. Florida was pretty nuts back in the 90s, as far I mean, as that goes. But Minor but, Threat yeah. minor threat attracted that same fan base, and they must have hated it. You know, how, oh, yeah. how, What do you do? I mean, yeah. as a performer, and if, it's, if those are the people coming to your shows, you know, you got these skinheads. Yeah, like, Ian, Ian had such a stage presence, though. I mean, he could admonish the crowd and it'd be like, you know, like the Pope of punk, you know, and people would listen and actually, I don't know that I carry that same, uh, carry that same sledgehammer, but Ian's like, was just like, I've never seen somebody else like command the stage like he could back in the day. So yeah, he would, he would stop the show and, you know, and not tell somebody to be ejected. He would tell somebody to chill out or calm down or stop smoking. I remember uh, he was telling girls <laughs> yeah. to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, <like, laughs> and then, you know that Boston state took it. To, they took it. You know that you know they took it even farther than than uh, the DC state did. So kind of, of course, you'd always there's always somebody a friend that's going to take it to the, to the next step. You know, slamming around and knocking beers out of people's hands and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, I saw a show at Harpo's. This is like early 90s. Napalm Death came out and they played. And uh, you, you've been to Harpo's. Remember that, that venue? I've been there. People, someone died. You know? Yeah, yeah. Died. At a Motorhead show. Play there. It's, at yeah, my yeah, it's, show, someone died too. And the singer from the Fight Speak could ever get yeah. killed up by this. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I was at that show. Um, this is like, uh, this is probably like, what, 94, 95 or something. And he got yeah. killed in the parking lot. But uh, I remember Napalm Death comes out, and there's the whole room is just filled with skinheads. And I, I was, like, way in the back because I was just kind of avoiding the violence. And the first song they played, they dedicated to the skinheads. It was Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. Um, but they you know, covered the Dead Kennedy song. And the whole place just erupted. I mean, it was crazy. So I always wondered about that. Like, uh, you know, you, 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 you get this fan base that you just totally, you know, morally, I don't agree with you at all, but you like my music. And it's got to be right. like there's got to be an inner conflict there. Yeah, most definitely. But you know, just you hope for the best when you're performing. You don't, you know, you're not going to coddle to them. And if they're sig hiling you and stuff like that, what do you do? I mean, yeah. what, as a performer, what do you do? Because you don't want to like it's a fight. Like we've had some, you know, fights and stuff, and it just it just, it just sucks the gas out of the room when. Yeah, you get into it with the crowd, anybody in the crowd. And, like, you know, some guy a few years ago in Oakland, some crusty, he was trying to drag me off the stage. So um, so what do you do, like, push I him could, back into the crowd? 
Yeah, I was trying to, and he's grabbing me down by my ankles and, you know, the back of my thighs and trying to pull me in, and finally I just punched him in the face. And then he became enraged, and he I just saw my bass player go off. Into, he, he got yanked off stage into the crowd, and, and they had a big fight. And it's just like, you know, he gets back on stage half a song later, and like I said, it's like somebody took a... Yeah, the, the momentum is gone, you know? The mojo right out of the room. The rest of the show is kind of fucked, you know, when that happens. Yeah, th there's some video going around with the lead singer Discharge. Same thing, some dude spitting on him and grabbing his leg, and he ends up, like, oh, punching him that. in the I face, you know? He jumps and punched the guy in the face. Yeah, it's just... I mean, some people might think that's cool, but... The, no, it uh, sucks. We don't, we don't, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So you were in elementary school back in the 80s while you were in the Meat Men. How'd that work out? I mean, did, uh, did, did you have to, like, lead a double life? Like, did, did, or was the principal a fan? Yeah, no, I was a total double life. It was a total, like, only three years I taught, but it was the same time I was doing the magazine. I'd sneak into the school, and I'd Xerox the touch-and-go on the, you know, the, the uh, Xerox machine, and and then three o'clock in the morning because I had to keep it to school, and a lot of those early <laughs> issues looked really shitty because you know if the drum needed to be replaced, it was really light, and so yeah, I was totally leading a double life, and and uh, when I got laid off, I was like, you know, maybe this for the best, uh, yeah, I'm going to go out east and do something else. I mean, what was your? Uh, I mean, are your kids supportive of the band? Like, were, or did you kind of like hide that? That you know, part know, of your persona. They, always, yeah, they were there totally. And my son, as a matter of fact, back in 2007, was the one who was really trying to light a fire under me. Come on, pops, do it again. I missed it all. <laughs> and he was at the time he was like 19 and 20, and so he he actually was my road manager for a while and my booking agent when I first kind of came back and was helping me get shows and traveling with me. But then he had to get a real job and. And so all that fun stuff. But, oh, yeah, my kid, kids are super supportive. My son's 27 and my daughter is 25. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's you kind of have a punk rock legend for a dad. It's It's got to be <laughs> yeah. strange, you know? Um, Something so what, like that. What, what made you end the band, like, in the 90s? Like, what what what, what happened to cause you just to be like, you know what, what I'm done? What made me what? Like, what, 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 what happened to make you end the band in the 90s? Like, what caused the... Uh, the demise of you know, the just like, it just like you just kind of feel like I don't know you just kind of feel like the the tank is empty and you need a break and you don't know how long the break's going to be or the break's going to be permanent and like I, I gave all my props and stage and costumes and stuff to my t-shirt guy at the time and then when I asked for like my ABBA visor back, he wouldn't even give it to me to fucking print. So I didn't <laughs> have no idea. You know, I, not that I want costumes from the '90s in 2014. They'd probably be really smelly. But, um, yeah, but so I just had to redo everything and start over, and still had some confetti cannons, and still had some. You keep that black this, dildo. That, and the other thing, and what's that? You can't, do you keep that black dildo? No, I don't have the black dildo with a handle. I wish I did, but it probably once again be pretty rotten and stinky by now. Yeah, so, I'd, uh, I'd hate to smell that thing, you know. Um, yeah, so, I would hate to smell it too. So you had a twelve-year yeah. hiatus. What did what did you do during that time? Yeah, you know what? I just live in my life and working my job at collecting. I collect old toys, and I'm always out, you know, buying and selling stuff, and enjoying life, and riding motorcycles, and just living life, and just trying to put Tesco on the shelf for a while. And, and, then, but and then, you know what? Never say never, because here I am again. Yeah, and so uh, you resurrect the band, 
and uh, you're touring again. Um, it's got to be, but it, it's got to be a different feel, though. Like, you, might, I mean, what are your sentiments on the current punk rock scene? I mean, is it, would you have rather <laughs> been a band now starting out, or would you rather be a band starting out in the 80s? No, definitely in the 80s. That was the, the 80s and 90s, it was a bit, you know, there was a lot more fervor for live music. Definitely. And, you know, there's still fervor for live music, but it's a different kind of, it's a different thing now. It's, you know, and I, like I said, I'll just take what the market gives me. And, and you know, I, I enjoy performing. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to make a living at it or anything. So I'm doing it, like, just for fun. And, and uh, but, Ooh. yeah, it's a completely different, like, the 80s, like, Florida and the 90s is just, like, crazy cool and oh the death metal came out of of florida a lot of scenes that were just where you know you just pack them in and just pretty much gone where did everybody go and then there's bands that you know punk bands that get thirty forty thousand dollars to play big fest and stuff and i don't begrudge them that but that's it's weird i find that pretty interesting that um it's just it's weird that a punk band's getting forty grand to play a set. It's like isn't it kind of counter to what punk's all about? the ethos of punk rock, you know? Yeah, it is. It's like pretty counter to the original ethos. But you know, like if, if I could get thirty grand to play a show, I'd do it too. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, I understand that. And I mean, that's yeah, a, but it's uh, the it's, thing. It's like the music that people pay thirty grand to see is not the music that I would pay you know, 30 bucks to see necessarily. So it's to each his own. That's the thing with the internet. I mean, it's, it's a great tool for disseminating your sound and and exposing people to new music. But at the same time, I I just, I also feel it's created this weird thin skinned, you know, hyper politically correctness where people are just, they can't even take a joke anymore. You got comedians apologizing on Twitter because they made a stupid joke about the tsunami in Japan. So I wonder how they, right. you know, the beat men, if they came around doing songs like Crippled Children Suck, how people would perceive you now, like if you just started. Like in the, like in the, if we were to suddenly become like mainstream. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've often thought about that. It's, it's a, it's a choir taste and, and it's tasteless, but you know, that song still freaks people out. <laughs> we could be a total Homer crowd like we did it in Chicago. They were laughing and yucking it up and then like, Baseball comes out with a helmet on and he's drooling and <laughs> everybody gets quiet. Part of the show. You know, yeah, it's totally awkward. But you know, isn't that what the meat men are all about? Try to like make it feel like if if you're not feeling a little squeamish here and there, then we haven't succeeded yeah. in in our objective. And that and that's why, like uh, the live show of seeing you guys is so much better than listening. To I mean, I love your music. Like uh, you know, it was great. I was stoked right. when uh, Stud Powercock came out because it was that compilation of all the early songs. But mm-hmm. um, but but it's the live experience of seeing you you on stage performing, which I hope people do. So t- so tell me about the new record, uh, Savage Sagas. It's the first new record in like what twenty years? Yeah, we we did a cover CD called Cover the Earth. I'm a I'm a fan first and foremost. I'm a performer, but I'm also just a rabid fan of other bands. So we did songs by you know Motorhead, The Pink Fairies, Black Randy, uh, The Smiths. You know, just all of my favorite bands. We even did Jerry Lee Lewis. He has a song called Meat Man, and we did that. And, but then it was like, well, wait a minute. We don't we don't want to just be this like legacy, like Meat Man show band and review doing the same damn songs. So like. Guy in Grand Rapids for the third time. He goes, it's good, man, but you know, kind of getting to be a 
kind of getting to be a legacy, or uh, I don't know how he plays yeah, But that typical legacy shirt. punk rock act, it's like, right, you know what, right, I'm going to come back after track. 20 years, do the same song. It's almost like you should be performing in Vegas, you know? Right, exactly. Like touring for Anus with the LeMay. The stage show. Yeah. So it's like, you know what, we're going to write a new album, and and like I said, I always call it Climbing the Mountain because it's so much fucking work, and one song at a time, you know, and I just kind of like, I write him in the shower, I write him walking the dog, I just, stuff pops into my head, like the piss pot for weed, my son, when I were talking, he's telling me this story about some, he works in this zero tolerance uh, steel um, warehouse, and, you know, guys just, guys clean, a 46-year-old guy's clean for years, and then he goes on a date with a hot chick, and she pulls out a doobie, so what does he do? He takes a puff or two, and then the next Monday, he goes to work, and Piss is hot for weed, and I'm like, and I he said, "What do you think?" He said, "Oh, he pissed hot for weed." And pissed like, hot for weed. Meat <laughs> man song. Yeah, hell yeah, that's going to be a meat man song. So then I kind of crafted the song around that story, and and then I sort of used it as a soapbox to rail against our mishmash of state and federal marijuana laws. But that's probably the most serious song on the record. Don't worry, folks. I'm not getting all like political and shit. There's plenty of it's songs good. about pooping boners to satisfy your, your meaty craving. Exactly. I mean, that's, a, that's it's the bread and butter of the beat band there. Pooping boners. That's, that's right. But it's good to you be topical, too. Is, you know. If you don't think poop is funny, you're old. You might as well just <laughs> take a cyanide pill and lay down and die. So the the barbecue's uh, next month, but you're also playing a few shows right now uh, on the East Coast, right? Yeah, we're playing uh, July 18th at the Brighton Bar in beautiful Long Branch, New Jersey. And then the next night, Saturday, July 19th at Cafe 9 in New Haven. And and then the following day, we're playing uh, the Pete Thoreau Memorial Show in, at Club Fest in Providence. Pete Thoreau was a longtime pr- promoter in uh, Providence who passed away of uh, lung cancer a couple of years ago. Very sad. Mm. So uh, they have a show for him every year. And... Uh, that's cool. Yeah, and then the barbecue, and then um, we're going to be coming down Texas Way and New Orleans. I've played New Orleans since like 1990s, so I know there's going to be some people down there that yeah. want to see it. So that'll be in October with Anti Scene, the legend oh, nice. from, uh, Anti-C. from uh, South Carolina. Yeah, they got a new guitar player, and they're back in the game again. And yeah, those, those guys, what was that song? Uh, Animals, I eat them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good, good song. Yeah, they're, they're members back. of uh, of Gigi Allen's band too, right? The they were, yep. They backed up Gigi and yeah, Jeff, Jeff Clayton and I had become good buddies, and over the last couple of years, kind of keep again kindred spirits and partners mm-hmm. in scum or whatever you want to say it. <laughs> partners in scum. All right, well, uh, I'm I'm you know I'm gonna try to make it to the barbecue if possible because I know that'd be a good time. Um, but hopefully you make it out to the West Coast sometime soon so I can check it out. But people, you can go to TescoV.com um, and find out what's going on with the B-Men and buy the new record, Savage Sagas. Uh, last yeah, question, last question, Tesco, while I got you on the phone. I always wondered about this. Did uh, What did TSOL think of the song TOSL or Sissies? Like, did you ever they catch any like flack it. from that? But, I mean, what did they do Actually, about it? They, it, yeah, there's a story uh, kind of like, doc, I don't know if you've seen the Touch and Go book, it's kind of documented in there, but long story short, they they thought they really didn't like it, and like, <laughs> they thought that, uh, and of course I didn't go to to the TSO concert, what a pussy, when they played in, at the 930 Club in D.C., but 
Brian Baker and Ian McIwen. I guess Ian got jacked up against the wall because Brian was downstairs with him saying, yeah, Ian, Ian had something to do with that song too or something. And Ian came down and they were like, Sissy's on. They jacked him up against the wall. And then Ian would toss, him, toss his way out of it, of course. And then, you know, he'd settle him down and then get to the next city and they'd say, hey, you guys are sissies, you know. So it was pretty hilarious that it was just a simple joke, obviously. I didn't think they were sissies. They're giant surfer dudes. I just, Picking my targets at random. Uh, yeah, so. no. I I just remember as a kid, I always loved that song because uh, I was never a huge TSOL fan. But I always just thought, found that song funny and just wondered if it pissed them off. Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> well, that well, I'm we, pretty sure it did. Well, it's good. It's good to hear that you're still pissing people off to this day, though. That's <laughs> yeah. good to know. All right. Well, Tesco, thanks for being on the show, man. It's been great talking to you. And uh, next time you're on the West Coast, I'm definitely going to check you out. All right. Thanks, man. All right, man. It was good talking to you. Take it easy. Yeah, good talking to you, man. Take care. So, Wacker, we got a few phone calls here to the Sigrong Hotline. 206-666-3846 is that number. There's a theme with the calls here for this episode. Episode 440, Sick and Wrong. Um, it's all about vaginas, these calls. Oh, nice. That's different. Well, I guess vaginas and the way we interact with vaginas, us being men. Cool. Men and vaginas. Um, let's see. What, what you, your, your choice here, Wackerly. We have somebody uh, calling in to weigh in on the pussy-eating debate for bearded men or clean-shaven men. Or we have back two English, English callers here, two English callers, each with their own story of Red Wings, of how they earn their Red Wings. What do you want to start with, pussy-eating or, wet, or, or uh, Red Wing stories? Uh, let's get the Red Wings over with. All right. So let's um, here decide which uh, Red Wing story do you think is oh uh, delivered better, which one's more interesting, which one's more titillating. Um. We'll see. You can decide. Here's uh, Red Wing story number one. Uh, dude, Kev the Punt. Um, yeah, I've just been listening to your latest show, and uh, there was a guy that phoned in about some woman that wanted to piss on him or something. Uh, sounded a bit weird. Um, yeah, I just want a qu- I've got a quick story for you. I, uh, I went out with an Anna Kortnikova lookalike. She was actually a model years ago. Yeah, I bet you did. Oh, no, an Anna Kortnikova lookalike. <laughs> she's a model you want to piss on me how we many Stellas bird. do you have to drink before she looks like Anna Kornikova <laughs> years and years ago you're looking at about 10 years ago uh, we were in a hotel room and uh, yeah she wanted to do all that sort of stuff um, but to be honest I think uh, well, when I went down on her I came up looking like Coco the fucking clown uh, I think she'd probably been on, been on one or something uh, definitely had the painters in. And uh, let's just say that we left that hotel room in a right mess. And uh, it's safe to say I've not been back to that hotel. But, so I, I thought I'd just mention that. But it, it was funny. You had to be there. All right. See you later. Keep you sick. Keep it wrong. Bye. <laughs> you had to be there. You know, I'm actually kind of glad I wasn't there. <laughs> When you I was. I, w- I actually was there. I was under the bed the whole time. <laughs> when you, when you boned Susan Boyle, who you thought looked like Anna Kornikova because you drank eight Stellas. <laughs> Susan Boyle Nikova. <laughs> and Susan Boyle was on the rag. Ugh. 
God, sounds like a horror think, movie. I don't think Susan Boyle's, I think she's past her time for menstruation. How do you know? Well, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> this was 10 years ago, though. It was ketchup. This is this I was a while there ago. With a Heinz, squeeze Heinz bottle, and I was just spraying it everywhere from under the bed. <laughs> you're, giving, you're doing all the special effects. <laughs> yeah, it's a special effects wizard. Why, uh, or how often do you think it happens that uh, maids have to go into a hotel room and it's just been destroyed from some oh, person's oh, putrid like sex 20% act. of the rooms that they clean have either diarrhea or menses or Ugh. you know piss and, condoms, and like 90% semen. of the time there's cum everywhere right yeah then don't they say that if you go in with like a black light you'll yeah. see cum splotches on everything yep god it's just I mean what do you do at this point you walk in everything's covered in menses blood and semen. Just throw it in the giant industrial laundry machine. Steam laundry. Yeah, but they never wash the uh, the, the duvet or whatever that is. Well, if it's got blood all over it, they do. They don't. They put it on <laughs> you, and then you got to deal with it. That's why I never touch that. I'll touch the sheet. I'll never touch that top sheet. Um, so that's uh, Red Wing story number one with Susan Boyle. Um, here's Red Wing story number two. All right, boys, there's a Welsh student PJ here again. Right. Best mate tell me a story when he's back home that I thought was fucking disgusting, so I'll share it with you guys. Well, it was on a night out, and then he pulled his bird, and then he asked, Do you want to go back to mine? And he was like, Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. But then she said, Oh, I'm with, I'm with another girl. Could you make sure that this girl has someone to go back with her? It's so easy to pick up chicks in, uh, in England. Wales? Yeah, you just go up, to, go up to a bird in Wales and be like, I'll go back to my place. And then they're like, okay, I got a, I got a friend. All right, bring her too. And that's it. Right. It's a little more complicated here. How do you take, do it here? You got to take them to Denny's first or something. <laughs> you know, you probably, you probably ply them with drinks up until uh, last call. And then it's like, all right, let's go get a bite to eat. Go to Denny's. Or, or in LA, it's like, okay, you want to go do some blow. Yeah. So then you got to buy you an eight bowl of really cocaine. You really want to eat a bunch of moons over my hammy. Before you get get sexy time. Yeah, that's true. But you do see that a lot, though. All these like couples that just still want to hang out because they haven't. You haven't sealed the deal in the two yeah. hours you've been hitting on them. You haven't sealed the deal, so then it's like, okay, we'll go get. It's not gonna happen some at food. that point. Sometimes, I guess if you're slick, you don't need to do Denny's. Then you go no. straight to the cocaine. So like, oh, yeah, fine. But she was a fucking lump, so it was gonna be a fucking challenge for him anyway. He brought lump. up about five guys I knew up to her, and every single one she was like, nah, nah, I don't like him. So he was like, what the fuck? And eventually he finally found one. I then asked the guy, listen, do you want to go back with us so you can shag this girl? He was like, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, whatever. And anyway, went back, uh, did a thing, and then my best mate was listening to this guy shagging all night long. He was on the fucking drug binge and everything. Anyway, he woke up in the morning, then went into his room, and my best mate told him, like, what the fuck happened? Like, what did you do last night? And then the guy just woke up, looked at him with a blank stare in his face, like, mate, where the fuck am I? What the fuck happened last night? That is the worst And that's where my mate noticed, my best mate noticed, on his face, plastered from head to fucking toe, just blood everywhere. All over his face, and he fucking even told him, mate, stick your tongue out, fucking blood all over it. Think you can put two and two together to figure out what happened. All right, see you later, lads. You know, my 
I mean, but maybe I'm just, uh, I mean, this is his buddy, so I guess he knew him. But if you picked up some random dude and he walked out of this girl's room covered in blood, would you think, you know, that the guy was getting his Red Wings? Or do you think that maybe he just murdered this chick? Probably Red Wings. I guess it depends on how <laughs> I think much Red blood. Wings is a more common occurrence than murder. Yeah, but I mean, it, what if the guy's like, seriously, has a lot of blood on him? I, I mean, guess. I can understand some crusty clumps of blood around your face. Okay, this guy just ate out a girl in the rag. But I mean, if this guy's covered in blood all all over his shirt, I would be like, uh, yo, what was going on in there, man? (laughs) Some rough sex. Yeah, I don't don't know. So what do you think, Wackley? Which which painter's story did you like better? (laughs) I guess the second one. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) They're both the same story. Yeah, but which one was executed? A little more... uh, more, um, uh, well, thrilling. I'm gonna have to go with the first one. Then, thrilling because, narrative, you know, stories about things that happen of, to a friend of a friend. Yeah, it's hearsay. Yeah, it's whereas this guy hearsay. actually experienced it. That's what I was about to say. This guy actually really buy into the first-hand experience comparison, but, but you know, she you know, looked like Susan bullshit. Boyle. I, I don't think it was Anna Kornikova, but I like the idea of this really drunk Englishman wasted on Stella, thinking he's fucking Anna Kornikova, when really it's just a Susan Boyle look-alike. And she's on. The painters are in town. So there you go, people. I mean, uh, I think everybody's earned their Red Wings at least once. Uh, I have. You have too. You've never eaten out a girl in the rag. No. Never once. (laughs) Nope. Not even towards the end of the uh, the the period. No. Where it tastes a little like it tastes a bat like her clit tastes like the back of a battery, little metallic. Nope. What? What did she just like? I've had a lot of period sex. Just, I well, never go. Yeah, but I mean, that's not, not dining at the Y when that's going on. <laughs> I mean, most girls won't let you. No, most of them tell They're you. They're self-conscious but... about it. No, they won't even let you. Well, some of I them think will... I've tried, and she's been like, no, no, no. I'm like, I don't care. She's like, no, 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 no. Well, I, you know, it's like, I don't, if I'm really drunk, I'm not like, it, it's not concerned to me. But if I'm sober. <laughs> You're raping your girlfriend. It doesn't matter what she wants you no, to no, do. No, she no. No, I'm no just say. saying, I'm not like. You know, I'm not grossed out by it because I'm just like, I, you know, whatever is going to eat you up. And I'm really wasted. And she's like, no, no, don't. But if I was sober, of course, I mean, she'd be like, it's, it's shark week. Don't go down there. All right, that's fine. Stick my dick in Ant there flow. instead. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing to do, though, if you do eat out a girl on the rag, you should probably go to the bathroom first before going and finding your, your mates. You know, right. or meeting Anytime your uh, you have girlfriend's sex, parents. You should, you should go wash yourself up before you go out in public. Yeah, no, you heathens. Uh, okay, here's, here's a, uh, the, third, the third call, which is someone's chiming in about uh, the pussy-eating debate. What's funny about this is this guy is making his fiance call the show. Like, he's a fan of the show. She obviously couldn't care less, but he's making her call in. That's, some dedica- that's a dedicated girlfriend. Fiance. So my fiance, who's a longtime listener, he's that DC guy. Uh, he's really been bugging me to call in and weigh in on the if you go down on a girl, does it matter if you have a beard? How does it change it? Here's the deal. What's funny about this is how many times do you think he asked her? Did you call yet? Did you call him? It sends her a text. Hey, do you call sick and wrong yet? What would your girlfriend Post-it do? Post-it note on the fridge. Remember. 
calls I, I, the show. It's just like you got to call this podcast that I listen to. That 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 woman, you should definitely marry this woman because she obviously is in love with you if she's willing to do this. Um, you either know how to go down on some pussy or you don't. The fact that you have a beard That's does not, not true. change anything. That is not experience. true. It's I'm, not a binary thing. You don't think so? It's not that no, cut and dry. If a girl, you ask your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> if a girl has like 10 dudes go down on her, she can rate them. It's not like these five can't do it and those five can. There's like a guy who's really good and there's a guy who's like, well, he's pretty good. Well, that, that's the thing. false. How bad can it be? You got some guy like licking. I guess. Oh, it can you, be bad. Well, I, I, think, I bet you it's very terrible. Well, I think part of it. The guy's like biting your labia. Like, no, why? Who told you that? Was well, there's sick? that, or maybe you know, the dude's just like rubbing his face all over it and just not has no idea what to do. I guess I could see that could be pretty bad. Playing Candy Crush. He's <laughs> 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 got his phone propped on your fucking belly button. <laughs> but but I but I mean, it's like, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure. Some guys are really good at it, and then some guys are just mediocre. But yeah, I mean, it's not a think, bell curve. Yeah, I don't think there's a. I don't think it's that binary. I don't think it's a, that cut and dry when it comes to it. Like some people just suck, and other people are really good. It, it, like who cares? You're eating my pussy. It's great. That's great. If you're doing a good job, I don't care if you have a beard. If you don't have a beard, now if you suck, I'll blame it on your beard or mm-hmm. your lack thereof. That's there gonna go. happen. But when it comes down to it, know how to eat pussy. That's it. So you agree with that there, Wagley? Do I agree with it? <laughs> you have to know it's how to not eat really, pussy. Not regardless. Really for me to say. So regardless of how uh, whether you have a beard or not, you just have to know what to do when you're down there. Yeah, I bet you a lot of guys are terrible at it. Like they just—they think that like they just use your tongue like your dick, and they're just shoving their tongue bah, in there. I bet you a lot bah. of guys do that, or, or they might not point. even know which part to stimulate. You know, they're oh, just yeah. licking they the no taint. Idea. They think it's just a hole, like a butthole. Well, you know, you also sometimes you see it in porn when a guy's just like, like you know, just like rubbing his face all over it, but he's not really oh, doing yeah. anything. Porn sex is not real sex. I know, but I mean, you grow up watching this masturbating whenever you fuck a lady are you like like coming in from the side she's like what are you doing well the camera there's no camera (laughs) just position (laughs) so those guys can see us what What guys guys? my friends (laughs) they're hiding in the closet (laughs) it's a spectator sport i guess if you just watch porn though you might think like oh yeah you got to come in from the side that's how ladies like it (laughs) what what are you doing Uh, this is how i've seen it done I thought this is how it worked. But I see what she's saying, though. It doesn't matter if you have a big beard or if you, you know, shave. If, if you don't know what you're doing down there, it's just going to suck regardless. So I can, I can see that point. Yeah. All right. And then uh, she calls back here with a second part, a retort. Hey, it's a DP oh, guy. Uh, my fiance just called it's in. It's guy. On a pussy-eating beard or no beard. And uh, I think what she wanted to add is Dee's example of where he's going three or four days without shaving. That's just stubble, and that can be itchy, and no one wants that. That's scratchy. (laughs) A beard isn't stubble. It's like Lancel. Does he sound wasted? Maybe. He he sounds pretty... I like how she's yelling in the background. It's It's not what I said. Not itchy. (laughs) 
They're already acting like a married couple. Alluded to it's soft. So uh, one more thing to weigh in. D, you know, if you can't grow a proper beard, just stay clean shaven. But Lance has the right of it. Bye. Kind of sounds like Big Jer. He does a little bit. Do you see that? Uh, we, we should probably do this story. Do you see, you see that story about that guy that killed that family in Texas? Yeah, he looks like Big Jer. He looks just like Big Jer. Big Jer gained like 50 In certain pounds. pictures other than other pictures. But there's this but one like picture. Like in the mug shot. Yeah, the mug shot. He looks like Big Jer. Yeah, I mean, but if Jer's face is like a big, bit like when Big Jer's been drinking all night long, he gets that look on his face. It just it's kind of glazed over eyes, <laughs> and, and his face is kind of red. <laughs> so okay, that makes sense. I mean, if you grow a, a proper beard, it's not all scratchy and stubbly and sharp. It's softer. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. I can't just grow just like a beard. baby's beard. <laughs> I can't grow I can't grow a beard like that though. It's patchy and my hair is just too coarse. I thought, I thought Jews were once you get a certain age will it like come out cuz like all the old Jews they have the big long white beard. I don't I don't know. I Your think dad maybe, had a big white beard. I think what I would need to do is transplant some uh some hair from my ass region onto my face to grow into the uh the full beard which I know some <laughs> Jeffrey Jews Jeffrey should that. grow a big beard. It's popular amongst the gay men. You know he really should. I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't. Jeff Jeff is not... just be one more point of thing to make fun of. <laughs> that would be great if Jeff had like a Hasidic Jewish beard. Yeah. It'd be better if Jeff only was into Hasidic men. <laughs> How weird would that be? <laughs> just he's like really Jewish dude. Don't you get ostr- ostracized from the Hasidic community if you're gay? They're, they're not down with that, are they? You know they keep it on the DL, I'm sure. <laughs> Did you ever read... A, I read some article about some, some Hasidic Jews or... You know, with Brooklyn, that would just bone little kids. Yeah, like well, a, that's yeah. different. <laughs> that, that's fine. You can just bone little kids. Young boys. <laughs> Young boys in the in the steam room. That's that's you know, that's that's perfectly fine, but uh but if you go to a gay bar, you're ostracized. So there you go. You know, grow a beard if you want to, shave if you want to, just learn how to eat pussy properly. And that just goes from that, that you know, that, that comes from practice. And from listening to your lady. It's hard to get practice, though, if you're terrible at it. That's the problem. Yeah, but I think if you just listen to your lady and let her give you a tutorial, you'll figure it out. What about ass eating? Just find a just find a big, ugly Susan Boyle-looking fat chick on the rag. She'll let you go down on her. What about ass eating? Is there a wrong way to do that? I don't think... I think there's less of a wrong way. There's less moving parts. Just one part. Yeah, I mean, it's just you just lick a butthole or not but i mean i wonder if, if if the same guy that doesn't know how to eat a pussy would just fuck that up like he just ah, he's like the worst ass eater ever you know i can't see how you could be bad at it <laughs> i bet you one of our fans probably have accomplished that we could see um i think calls- the, i mean you can be bad at having your ass eaten i think right by like farting yeah, or you, you're not, you don't clean it up beforehand. I think for ass eating, it's more on the ass eat, the person who's getting their asshole eaten. So the to, onus uh, is on them to be hygienic. Yeah, you know, diet, control your diet for a couple of days beforehand. You got, but you got to say think that. About I mean, it. You have to resist the temptation to fart because it would just be so funny. Mm, I bet you it's hard to fart when somebody's eating your ass. You never know. I mean, if you're a gassy person, you're... <laughs> It just happens. I'm naturally gassy. What do you expect? <laughs> when you're down there, 
That, that's, a, that's an area that farts come out of. It's a fart zone. No, if you you're going to go mouth. down there, what do you expect? You just fart for the course. <laughs> that could happen. A 70% chance that could happen. I'm not culpable so for this. About? I'm not culpable for that. <laughs> no, we're not getting a divorce because of that. Larry. <laughs> Larry, I can't believe you farted when I was eating your ass. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like Sarah Silverman. Would you do that to her? Probably. <laughs> fart on her? Well, or If Sarah Silverman was eating your ass and you had to fart, fart, would you let it go? Well, on give principle? her something for her act. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than most of the jokes of her act, actually. You're right, I know. Uh, people call the Sacred Hotline, 206-666-3846. Uh, we got to get out of here. Um, you can always listen to the show on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, rate, comment. We appreciate it. Keeps us in the top 100 comedy podcast. That's our goal. We want to be in the top 100. It used to be the top 50, but uh, we've given up that hope. Top 100 if we're lucky. So uh, listen to us on iTunes. Also, Sick and Wrong t-shirts. We have new ones coming very soon. People, I do not have any large or extra larges left. We've had all these people ordering larges and extra larges. I'm going to email you, and I'll give you an option. Either you can have a refund or you can wait till the next shirt's printed, which will be probably next month. Um, but we will have new shirts coming very soon. I do have some smalls and mediums left, though. Uh, also, if you order a shirt, you get some uh, of the They Live stickers uh, thrown in as well. Sick Wrong Song of the Week is going to be dedicated to our guest on the show here, Tesco V. Uh, this isn't actually a meat band song. This is one of Tesco V's Hate Police songs. Uh, he was in a, a band, a solo band. Or a different project called the Hate Police, Tesco V's Hate Police. And the song's called Gang Rape Lullaby. It's a, uh, it's a, a pleasing ditty about a very controversial topic. Um, but it, it, it's a good indicator of what uh, the, the theme, the common theme of most Meat Men's songs. What's interesting about the Meat Men is, you know, they, they have a totally new lineup. Like they, the original members, he doesn't even speak to the original members anymore. But a lot of these punk rock bands, that's the thing, these legacy punk rock bands, they like form again and it's like, oh yeah, all the original members are in there except for one. Whereas the, the Meat Men, you know, it's always just been Tesco V and then he'll just uh -huh. go get some of his friends to join the band. So uh, the, the current uh, lineup for Tesco, for the Meat Men, it's, it's all new guys except for uh, Tesco. But people, if you're around, uh, if you're in the Virginia area, mid-August, I highly recommend going to check out the Guarbecue and uh, maybe we'll get to hear the Meat Men doing renditions of some of their, their most popular songs, like One Down, Three to Go, Orgy of One, Toolin' for Anus. It's a good song to court your girlfriend with. It's a good song to play while you're eating her out, and she's giving you a lesson. Anyway, we're going to end the show here with that Gang Rape Lullaby. People will be back next week with episode 441. Till then, take it sleazy. Gang Rape Lullaby!
stop there. Are you tired of hanging out with a bunch of low-life glam rock fags? Why don't you go for a real man? A booze-guzzling, porno-reading man. Just enter the Mentor's Dream Date Contest and you can win a good date with me, El Duce. <laughs> Do what they're doing in these dirty magazines with me, baby. Now, I know it sounds too good to be true there, ladies, but you can win. Now, all you have to do is send me a nude, explicitly nude photo of yourself and a letter saying how much you're a pervert and how you want me, El Duce, to do it to you in the nude and some cash, some drinking money. Send me a check. I got to support my drinking habit now, baby. That's all it takes to be in the contest. You, whoever gets my geyser gushing the quickest wins. That's the secret. That's the key thing, baby. <laughs> so, don't be a loser. Enter right now. Send your nude photo and your letter, and maybe I might pick you.